Hello and welcome to the NK Active podcast. So we've had a bit of a break from our last episode, but we're going to revamp things slightly. So the new format of the podcast is going to be, it's going to be audio only, and the episodes are going to be a maximum of 20 minutes long. And if we chat for longer than 20 minutes, we're just going to end it. So it will never be longer than 20 minutes. So with us today on the NK Active podcast, we've got the NK Active team. So I am... Nick Knight, I am the director at NK Active and I am a podiatrist by background and do a lot of rehabilitation and just getting people fitter, more active and helping them overcome their problems. And we also have... Uh, Dr Charlotte Dando, Um, so I'm a podiatrist that works at NK Active um, and I'll be there to diagnose, assess, treat and manage patients with lower limb complications. And Dave Reek, um, sports rehabilitator with an interest in long-term uh, persistent conditions and exercise for rehabilitation. So because we've had a bit of a break, there's been a lot going on. That's why we've had a bit of a break because we've just been so busy in clinic doing different things and managing our way and our way through the COVID pandemic. So Charlie, talk us through about what have you been up to? I think it is about two, three months since we last done a podcast. Yeah, so I've been stealing Nick away from clinical practice to join us at the University of Southampton to be able to teach some of our students around rehabilitation and foot and ankle anatomy and pathophysiology. Um, And I've also been starting to look at our data that we're collecting here to understand a little bit more about the patient journey, how we can streamline our service and how we can work to kind of make it the best experience when people walk through the door with us. Dave, what have you been up to? Yeah, I've been just uh, looking into the blood flow restriction as a, a bit of a project. In essence, all to do is you put a cuff round the limb, the arm or the leg, which restricts the blood flow coming out of the muscle, creating a local hypoxic environment, which tricks the brain into thinking that it's working harder than it actually is. The upshot of that is you can work with lighter loads and induce the same sort of strength gains as you can with heavy loads. And it's not something new, is it? Because if we look in the sort of training world with regards to um, strength and conditioning and bodybuilding and stuff like that, it's been used It has been used for quite a long time, certainly in the bodybuilding world. Where we're looking at it is particularly for arthritis and after surgery where people can't tolerate heavy loads. Can we help them get the strength gains that they need without putting the forces on their joints yeah and i think i've i think we're saying that it's sort of about you can lift 70 percent less in a blood flow restricted environment but get the same so for example if you were doing something with 10 kilograms in a blood flow restriction environment that's the equivalent of doing something with 70 kilograms without the blood Absolutely, flow yeah, that's right. And there's also a lot of evidence to say that just putting them on for seriously deconditioned people, walking around with them on, walking up and down the stairs for 20 minutes, doing their daily tasks at home, just keeping them on, is going to be somewhere to start. And I think it's going to be also really helpful for those people that don't have access to a gym, don't have time, so we can get... Because we will find it during the rehab stuff that with some patients, if they want to return to a certain level of activity, they're going to have to get to the point where they just need to lift heavy weights. Yes. And they may not have the time or access to the equipment, which can be a barrier to them progressing forward. Yeah. But this sounds like this is a way that we could maybe use this to help remove that barrier. Absolutely. So it's either very efficient for people who've got time and are used to training or time efficient for people who haven't got the length of time to spend in the gym doing the training. Yeah. And we've we've been writing a protocol, and we'll come on to my views because you've put me through my paces. Yes, that was um, a good session. With them. And we'll come on to that in a bit. But there's also a, 
Is there a certain group of people you wouldn't use this on? People who've had strokes or people with high blood pressure, but it's actually a very safe method of training. And for the majority of people, there's no greater risk with this sort of training as there is for any other sort of resistance training. No, and yeah. So if we then, so in our day, I've, I use the set for about four weeks and was training twice a week and I noticed some difference in my speed running around hockey pitch. Yeah. I think managed to clock 32 kilometers an hour at my That was a busy point. weekend, you were, yeah. That was, yeah. Wasn't hanging around that weekend. Um, but then it was a case of, also we'd done a little session on a Wednesday morning uh, just to try and help because after playing a lot of hockey, my groin flared up from an old injury. And we said, okay, let's try and make a targeted hockey-based, groin-based little circuit, as it were, and just use no weights. We literally, I think the only equipment we used was a just your normal sort of gym Reebok type step, wasn't it? And that was that was hard. That was only 20 minutes. And my le- I had DOMS afterwards. And considering I lift weights on a regular basis, I don't normally get many DOMS, but I did. My muscles felt a little sore after doing that. And I was sweating as well. That was, it was a good session. I enjoyed that. And it shows that, with the blood flow in quite a short amount of time, you can induce the fatigue. And this is where I made this mistake when I first started looking at it. I thought, oh, if you've got less weight, it's going to be an easier session. But because the blood flow is restricted, it actually does feel quite difficult. It's the f- sensations are similar, but the loads on the tissues and the joints are so much less. So it's a, it's a real strange continuum. It is. And we've had a couple of patients trial it and we've had good feedback from it. So it's a service that we're still nearly finished developing, I feel, and we're getting ready to start rolling it out to those appropriate people in in clinic to help them. But we're thinking, because the issue is we look at a lot of the research and the work is um, anterior cruciate ligament rehab in your, in your athletes is, is where a lot of the research has been based. We're more thinking in, well, actually, the arthritic population or the population at risk of falling. So that's slightly older population where, because I would argue that actually being fitter and stronger, the older we get, the more important it is because we get that sarcopenia, we get that loss of muscle tissue, muscle mass, as it were. And unfortunately, we know that tends to start around about the age of 25. And then once you get to 60, it then doubles the rate as well. But you also know it's a case of use it or lose it. So... We know that if you keep doing things, your body will keep fit and active. I think for people without access to heavy weights, people who don't think gyms are for them, still want the training. If we can make things more efficient, time efficient and results efficient, then it's a win-win for everybody. I think, yeah, it comes back to previous episodes where we spoke about just removing these barriers to that rehabilitation process. And it's something I think we spoke about a lot in clinic recently. It's because as Charlie's already mentioned, we have looked through our, looking for our data. And we know that if we set patients' goals, we know we achieve it 97% of the time. We know then that after six, 12 and 18 months after they come to see us, people aren't getting re-injured in general. And some people over 60%, I think at 18 months are doing a lot more activity than they were when they come to see us. And we sort of scratch on our heads as to why. And I think part of that comes down to in musculoskeletal conditions, so your strains, your sprains, your broken bones, recovering from those, your arthritis, it's very easy to get stuck onto treating that problem and forgetting there is a human being attached to that problem. And I think when you speak to people about 
rehab journeys that we everyone knows who works in the industry knows how to rehabilitate a muscle or tendon but then it's then also then put into the context of the patient and taking their thoughts their considerations their beliefs their barriers and building a plan for them and i was discussing this with a patient this morning actually and we were saying that we could have five people come in with your problem but everyone's treatment plan will be slightly different because it's tailored towards their demands of their work home life work life what they got access to timeline sports medication medical history there are load of things aren't there that we have to tailor around so then moving on to what have we been i've been up to is it's sort of what mainly myself and dave well, i shouldn't say mainly myself and dave that's me taking some credit when dave done all the work um with i think we we mentioned it before that we wanted to start looking at what does normal strength actually look like a normal flexibility look like and because we asked that question and because we got we're all quite critical thinkers and because of the likes of charlie and the team we we're like well actually no one's really asked that question so maybe let's try and answer it ourselves so me being me said yep yeah, let's jump two feet into this and we decided to collect our own data and get i think best part of 60 people in nearly to just test what is people's strength from an array age range from a thing from around about 20 up to 70s i think the old 82 was the 82 and yeah thinking oh it won't take us that long i reckon it's mostly mine and your hours combined it must be approaching about 250 hours worth of work it's taken but we're finally there yeah it's done the software has been written the data has been collected i think we had the data saved double saved treble saved because <laughs> <laughs> you're like you're worried and then there was a point where we realized that i done some of the math behind it slightly wrong because then i had to spend a day then just undoing the wrong calculations and putting the right stuff in but yeah that's going to be really exciting to be able to people to come in and we can measure strength and then map them against a a pain-free database and it's a database that's going to keep growing as well which is really exciting so charlie anything else that you've been seeing interesting that's in sort of the last few months in clinton are there any trends or patterns I guess as the weather's becoming warmer and a bit nicer, we've started to see more um, injuries related to walking or starting to introduce more activity fairly quickly. So that's been quite a nice one of having to look at load management and looking at conditioning, I guess, especially as we're in this environment where people are still becoming unwell due to COVID and other factors. We're finding that training regimes and ways of approaching um, our day-to-day routine is being challenged somewhat so it's been quite nice to see, I guess from my point of view, <laughs> array of injuries affecting the lower limb. But everyone seems to be wanting to take ownership and starting to, yeah, start to set goals that are going to be meaningful for them. And would you say since being in the last sort of two years, do you think, have we seen a change in people wanting, I don't want to say take them, their health more seriously, but be ready to commit to resolving a problem? I think it's like everything, isn't it? You... You do your utmost to try and be like, I can problem solve this myself. I know what I need to do. But then I think there's a point where we remember that actually sometimes it's nice to go on a journey with someone and do a little bit of education and try and work out how are we going to manage this for the future. And I think COVID has been a wonderful time in that sense for people to just have those moments of reflection and to consider what is meaningful for them in their lifestyle and their activities 
and to start to think about what they may wish to do that they may have not attempted to do before or maybe just start to think about how they can change to then reduce their risk of maybe picking up illnesses and injuries along the way. And Dave, have you seen anything, any particular trends or patterns over the last three months? Over the last three months, no, I wouldn't say the last, but just recently as things are starting to get a little bit lighter, people are starting to get out and playing sport a little bit more. You can see just that that change from not the dedicated sportsman, but people, oh, I will go out in the evening now, it's getting a little bit lighter. It's not just the weather, but actually just the daylight people are starting to get out. And I think it's nice, people are still wanting to, you know, because to me I was thinking, okay, we had this work from home, and now, well, currently at the time of recording, we've been told back in the office. <laughs> uh, by the time you're listening to that, it may have changed again, so I apologise. Um, but if people are still wanting, people are still valuing that, I feel. People are still valuing, actually, I need to make sure I get out. Because speaking to some patients, they were saying, well, when I used to commute to work, I used to maybe walk 10,000 steps a day. And now I'm still working from home because my company, I don't need, I realise I can do my job from home and I'm more productive from home, which is fair enough. But then they'll say, I realise I mainly do 2,000 steps a day. So the activity levels have changed. And they're like, well, I'm saving time on commuting, so I want to use that time to, to have a bit of me time, look after my own health and well-being. And, and there was, a, there was a, a guy particularly who came in and he was using that time to do a walk, but because it wasn't commuting, he was out walking around his local area. That was actually very relaxing for him. So yeah. although he was doing a similar amount, of, he was using it in a different way and found it mentally much, much more relaxing. And I've also then seen the extremes where people have saved up to three hours a day in total commuting time. And one of our patients was now using that time, those three hours, to train for a half Ironman. And he said, I can get all my training in without having to take any more time out of my day because I'm saving that time. Um, so that kept his um, wife and family happy because it didn't detract any time from them. I think another thing that I've seen a change for me personally is all of a sudden I've started seeing a lot more overseas patients. Me, I've seen a lot of plant to plate patients from America, um, virtual consultations, and that seems to be working really well, but there's just been a sudden influx of patients from the US and they've all seemed to have responded well to the whole virtual rehab and progressing, progressing well. And I think one point got to, one patient said they found me because their orthopedic surgeon in the US read a blog that I wrote and then referred them to me, which I thought was very, very bizarre and, and thinking, how does this even happen? But yeah, so we'll, we'll take those. Another thing from an NK Active viewpoint is NK Active is growing. People may have seen announcements that we are in the process of acquiring another clinic in, in Manchester with the aim to be able to offer what we offer it down in Romsey and then replicate that that out so because we have a belief that we think everyone should be able to have access to good quality care so that's that's taken some time up recently as well and there'll be a few bumps along the road and whatnot but i think i think we will definitely get there charlie do you have anything else that you would like to add no i'm just looking forward to it getting warmer i'm <laughs> fed up of wearing my thermals <laughs> but that's really not anything to do with work no <laughs> Dave? Yeah, just one day that we had was really interesting for me. It was the uh, Run 3D training day and conference. 
I found it really interesting being there, talking to other people, seeing how we collect our data. And we're very audit-based and data-driven and, and how some of the other clinics manage them, what they do. I yeah. found that, that really helpful for me. Uh, that was a good day out. It was. Yeah. Good day out. Good food. Yes. Very, very good, good social, food. Good but social, but also a lot to come back from it. So, uh, you know, it's, it was nice to, to go somewhere, fairly relaxed, do that, but actually come away and thinking actually what we do and how we collect things is really useful. Perfect. Yeah, that was good. Well, I think so. We don't actually, it would be really bad saying we're going to rejig this podcast format and overrun on the first one. That doesn't look good, does it? So I think we can bring this to a close. There's one question I do have for you, though, is we are changing the format. We haven't really changed the name. So if you have an idea of what you think this podcast should be called, then do let us know. Obviously, you can go back and listen to previous episodes and just like to thank Charlie and Dave for taking some time out of their clinical day to just come and have a chat and we shall see you next month see you later bye